welcome to the World Transformed. Tonight we're talking about the Declaration of WTF. My name is Phil Bowermaster, and with me in the virtual studio is my co-host, Stephen Gordon. Hello, Stephen. Hey, Phil. Happy 4th. Happy Independence Day to you. I hope you guys are having a wonderful 4th of July celebration. Absolutely. Absolutely. We've got fireworks a little bit later, and actually we're going to see a concert. The Colorado Symphony is playing some patriotic music followed by fireworks, so that should be... That sounds like a great time. That should be a fun one. So, you know, we mentioned on Monday every year we ring in the 4th of July. We have done it for years with the Declaration of Singularity, and we were talking the other day about what what is the vintage of that blog post, and I rewrote it on July 4th, 2012, or at least published a new version of it then. But it actually, it predates that by, I don't know, four or five years anyway. I think the original version maybe was 2008, 2009. But here's the link if you want to follow it. This was, for one thing, it's been misinterpreted at times that I'm trying to improve the Declaration of Independence, that, that I'm like taking the Declaration of Independence and trying to make it better. And it's not that at all. It's more like, hey, here's a great document that talks about moving from one era of history to another, Declaration of Independence. I want to use that as a template for how we move from another, yeah. make another perhaps big that great, Yeah, perhaps that great document can provide some guidance in uh, this next transition, right? Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. It's, uh, so, it's done with uh, love and respect for the original document. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm with you on that. Yeah, it's always been about the fact that I like the Declaration of Independence, that I think it's a, it's a document that is worthy of being remembered. It's something that I hope people have spent some time with, those, those of you who are in the U.S., and it's the 4th of July. It's good to dust off a copy of that and read it, actually, to yeah. look at what Well, freedom-loving, freedom-loving people everywhere. You know? Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah. A wonderful, wonderful set of principles that are laid out there talking about the fact that we were created to be free, that it's not even arguable that we should be allowed to set our own course in this world, Uh, reviews the history of what's gone on between the government of Great Britain and the colonies in the United States, and then says, that's it. We're just going to be our own country now. Things Things are going to happen now. And I loved that idea so much that I used it as a template to say, well, maybe... That's conceptually what we have to do as we move into a new era that, that we think of as the, the technological singularity. Now, obviously, the singularity occurs because technology reaches a certain point, not because a group of people get together and vote on it. Right? It's, that's, you don't have a singularity by the will of the people so much as you have it by the fact that you achieve the technological level where it occurs. And if, if anyone is voting on it, it's the fast-moving AIs, I suppose, right, that are, that are, that are actually driving the... Well, perhaps we, we all vote for it when we buy the latest technology and uh, we keep, we keep uh, which, which finances the next stage, right? And, uh, yeah, exactly, yeah. You know. And then a couple of years ago, we did a declaration of amazing for the fourth, which was kind of fun. We were just saying, hey, you know what? Let's stop focusing on all the dour negative stuff that's happening in the world. It was kind of actually kind of a nice antidote would be if we had done that again this year to the show we did on Monday because Monday we talked about everything that's depressing. We talked about these frustrating mysteries and paradoxes that are, that are driving us nuts. Well, Declaration of Amazing simply said, hey, let's talk about how great things actually are. Let's recognize it 
and let's go with it. So that was a fun one, too, and I really enjoyed doing that. And I got to thinking about what we were going to do this year. Was it time to dust off the Declaration of Singularity again? Was it time for the Declaration of Amazing again? But it, but it occurred to me that maybe, since you know I've been in the Declaration business here for a decade or so, I've been doing it not quite the way it should be done. There could be a certain amount of putting the cart before the horse. The Declaration of Independence does formally announce the beginning of the United States as an entity, but it was not the end of the discussion, right? It didn't settle the matter. We actually had to have a big, long, ugly, bloody revolutionary war for, for that to be established. So maybe rather than saying we've reached an end state, you know, things are amazing, or the singularity has occurred, um, we need to declare where we are right now. And maybe we need to make a kind of an affirmative statement about where we are right now. And based on our show Monday, based on these things that we've been talking about on the program, I think that we're in a period of tremendous uncertainty about the future. And I actually think that we need to recognize that that's not necessarily a completely bad thing. We think of uncertainty of of the future. It sounds scary. It doesn't sound like a pleasant thing. It sounds like something that we need to be worried about. But in fact, if we adopt uncertainty as a strategy, it it might help us, right? We don't really know. Well, one thing we could avoid if we we accept that uh, we are uncertain about things, Bill, is that uh, we can avoid being so dogmatic, right? Exactly, exactly. Well, for one thing, we, we, we can avoid being constantly surprised when things don't work out according to our templates, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> which, is, which is one way of looking at being well, dogmatic. You say, well, this template was done in pencil anyway. Let me erase this part right here, and uh, you know, we're going to alter our... Yeah. And maybe that's the... Uh, in, in, in a world that's changing radically, in in a, in a variety of ways, constantly. Maybe maybe we have to be like we have to you know have some core is have some core principles, but on top of it that we we don't change on. And uh, those core principles are things like what are reflected in the original Declaration of Independence. But beyond that, we need to be ready to uh, to go in whichever direction we need to to face the, the current reality that that is constantly changing. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I think I, I think we, we start by assuming that we don't really know for sure what's going on. Even when we think we've got a good handle on a situation, it's going to have unintended consequences. It's going to push us in all kinds of unexpected directions. That's what we were talking about on Monday. We think social media is going to be great. Well, it turns out it has all these problems. We think that autonomous vehicles are going to be great, and they are going to be great. But there's going to be a downside. There's going to be there's going to be complications associated. Some of which we can anticipate. Some of which we have no idea until we get there, right? We we know that there's a good outcome that we can work towards when we talk about something like post scarcity. And there's a lot of these when we talk about anti aging. When we talk about a lot of these technologies, there, there are wonderful outcomes that we can work towards, but we don't know the path to get to them. We 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 don't know we don't know what that's going to be. So we can't reliably say what's going to happen next. But we can establish clarity around what we actually do know and actually pare that list down. Phil, this reminds me of something that we've constantly remarked on, and that is look at any science fiction movie, and it's today, 
you know, the, the day that the movie comes out, right? Right. It's basically today. Yeah, one key difference. And, and of course, we know that that's not going to be the way the future is. It, it'll be today plus everything is different because right. there's a million things that happen. But in order to deal with one key issue in the film and for the, the filmmakers to present this new new uh, issue and uh, to kind of the, the pros and the cons and, and perhaps even offer a solution or maybe just not, uh, just to present it. And uh, in order to do that, they got to limit themselves to a single issue. And we've, we've kind of made fun of that, or at least I have over the years. But maybe that's uh, maybe that's something we can you know you kind of should think about when we're uh, think about how to react to the future. We have to pare it down and deal with you, one one. You, yeah, you have to, you have to see the complexity in the system that goes well beyond that that one change. To, to me, it's it's like the and, and that goes for all the good things that we're hoping to make happen too. There's a real problem around being caught up in these kind of grand sweeping narratives of the future because they usually hinge on one or two big things, right? Um, I think we've talked years ago about the movie based on the H.G. Wells novel, Things to Come, and it was a it was a big movie back in the early 30s, and it predicted World War II, and it talked about the, the future. It predicted people going to the moon. It's a real interesting past-future kind of snapshot of history, but one of the things that comes through in the movie that I think is even more clear in the book is that H.G. Wells saw aviation as this utterly transformative technology, which he was correct, right? right? Uh, obviously, right. aviation was this hugely transformative technology in the history of the world, and it it brings paradise, right? It, it brings economic and social. Justice. I mean, it solves all problems. Ultimately, we have aviation. Yeah, it's, a, it's a utopia after it's fully implemented. Right. Once, once aviation is fully implemented, we end up in utopia. Utopias are the ultimate kind of grand sweeping narratives where there's a switch you can throw. You can you can adopt this one thing, and then everything's going to be great from now on. And we have kind of the reverse utopias around our our political ideologies, which is that people who don't think the way I think about this particular issue are evil, and if they get their way, all of life is going to be destroyed, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah we, are, we are on our way to Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome if we go the way of this person who thinks they might even be in my party, you know, in my political party, but they think a couple of things different from me. I think we've got to become really skeptical about grand narratives, and we've got to work on these like lean, agile narratives about the future, things that are adaptable, things that we can act on immediately and, and make a little bit of progress with. And you had an interesting quote, I see, that you added to the notes there. From the famous abolitionist uh, minister uh, from before the Civil War, Theodore Parker, and he's been quoted by many people, including Abraham Lincoln and Martin Luther King Jr., this, this particular quote, and it is, the arc towards moral, the moral universe is a long one, but it bends towards justice. So he's basically saying, have hope. It takes a long time for the, the problems that are plaguing us to be solved, but it, it, things are moving in that direction. Be a part of the solution. Don't, don't lose hope. Don't get cynical. Keep, keep working uh, the problem bit by bit. Yeah, well, where you don't expect one change to be the one thing that fixes everything permanently where, where you right. recognize that each incremental change that we bring about 
hopefully will bring some benefit, will also have some downside, will meet some resistance, will introduce people responding in a certain way that will bring about another change, and that you're on this really long trip, but it bends towards justice. I love that. It's ultimately leading in a, in a particular direction. And I think if we can emotionally cast off the, the grand narratives and step away from ideologies, um, I think ideologies were always dangerous, but they've just become totally toxic in the age of social media. It's, they, they be, they've become the, the means by which we condemn half of, you know, the, half of the population, at least half, right? Actually, they splinter and splinter into smaller and smaller groups that hate each other more and more. Um, you say, okay, well, these don't help, right? That adopting a narrative that that tells me that I'm the virtuous person, everyone else is the bad guy, and my side has to triumph or else it's ruin, isn't getting us anywhere, right? It's, it's, if, if anything, it's, it's slowing us down. I would just add, Phil, that you, know, you just can't hate away the opposition of whatever good thing you're fighting for. Right. Martin Luther King Jr., his quote on this, darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can do that. Hate can't drive out hate, only love can do that. So if you decide that your particular side of an issue is that this, this group of people over here are the problem, that, that's not going to, that doesn't win friends and influence people. It just doesn't. A lot of people see an, a legitimate problem and then they want to, and then they want to go to turn to hate to deal with, you know, no, that doesn't accomplish what you're trying to accomplish. The way we have framed ourselves, and this goes back to the Monday discussion about social media, how things get concentrated, is that our opposition to people who disagree with us just gets, uh, it does, it, it turns into hate, right? It turns into, yeah. we start stereotyping these people, we start talking about the worst possible versions of their motives, their worst possible versions of who they are, the worst possible outcomes that can result from, from what they're doing. And, uh, you know, I know wonderful, positive people who are just, they're, they're certain that we're on the road to fascism in the U.S., right? And, and, I've, right? and I've known wonderful, positive people who a few years ago were absolutely certain that America was done. It, it's all over and there's nothing, and there's nothing we can do now. And, and it's, it's because these ideologies, just they point you in that direction. It's like that's how they gain their strength. And it doesn't get you anywhere. I love it. Darkness yeah. cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. So if we take a little bit of uncertainty, we're actually a lot better off than being so damn sure about everything all the time. I, I'm, I'm calling it rediscovering the benefit of the doubt. You know that phrase, the benefit of the doubt, we think of it as kind of a, well, I won't, I won't judge them too harshly, which is a huge part of it. We also have to give it to our own lives, right? It's like... Mm -hmm. Just not be quite so sure you know everything that's happening. Be not quite so sure that you have all the answers. Be not quite so sure that you're the good guy and everyone else is the bad guy. That maybe allow a little bit of flexibility on all of those issues, and you're in a very different position to respond to the world around you. You're not in a position to make big moral pronouncements, which we love to do, but you are in a position to take incremental positive action towards the future. And Steve and I added all this up. This is so we're drafting it here as we speak, right? I, I don't have a document for for the declarations. You know, I, I want to caution us to say that we have to. You have to have fundamental moral certainties. We have to have a foundation of that, right? And then, from that vantage point, 
introduce the benefit of the doubt. And I think the thing is that what we have, for example, in the U.S., is we have a, 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 an entire population that by and large agrees on those, right? That right. we've persuaded ourselves that half of us don't. But in fact, we mostly do, right? We, we actually, we, we haven't really walked away from believing in each other's fundamental rights or um, those who are saying that we're a fascist country now. You, you wouldn't be able to say that publicly if we were. <laughs> you know, so right. We believe in the freedom of speech, and, of course, the, the people that want to say that it's a fascist country now, they have the right to say that. And that's, that's a good thing. It's also a good thing to uh, be able to respond to that, too. So, well, you know. in fact, this is, this is the thing. I don't know who I said that to the other day, but I, I was talking to somebody about this. You're telling me I'm not worried enough that we're going fascist, and it's like everything you say is interesting. But when you tell me that some, they came for somebody in the night then we're going fascist, right? As long as everyone can still put it on their Twitter feed, uh, we're not quite there yet. When you see Twitter going silent because people are legitimately scared, yeah. uh, then, uh, then I think we've got a lot to worry about when we, when we reach that point. But uh, fortunately, we have not. And I have a feeling that just as things changed a couple years ago and changed a couple years before that, they'll change a couple years from now that the, yeah. all the most alarming trends that people worry about the most, that they worried about 10 years ago, that they're worried about today, that they'll be worried about 10 years from now, will spin off in a different direction. And there will be new problems, but they probably won't be the things that people are worried about now. So I, I wanted to give this declaration of uncertainty a good name. And, you, you know, the, the show is called The World Transformed. And we put a book out, Visions for a World Transformed, uh, well, what's been a year and a half ago now that it was published. And we introduced a group, the World Transformed Institute at the time, but we haven't, that's been pretty inactive. The nonprofit hasn't done much. But I'm, I'm going to replace the World Transformed Institute. Uh, I'm going to modify the name of that group slightly. So we're going to be the World Transformed Foundation. Okay? And this declaration of radical uncertainty is going to be the official declaration of the World Transformed Foundation, or for short, the declaration of WTF. What do you think, Stephen? I think that's the, <laughs> that's, that's the, that's like the way it. to go. I like it. And, and yeah. by the way, it, it's probably more properly an exclamation of WTF, and it can also be phrased as a question. That's the beauty of, uh, of that particular abbreviation, right? Risky Business, right? Do you remember that movie? Tom Cruise's kind oh, of breakthrough yeah. role. And he's got this friend who's encouraging him to take some chances, encouraging him to look at the world differently. And he tells him, WTF brings you opportunities, my friends. And I, I, I actually believe that's true. I'm not a big guy on uh, swearing, but I, I think this one is worth adopting. Sit back, look at the world, look at where we are, and think, hey, WTF. And yeah. actually, that can, that can bring us to a new place. In summary, what we're saying here is embrace the uncertainty and embrace the fact that we can take a certain amount of power from not being so sure about everything all the time. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of The World Transformed. Stephen, why don't we come back on Friday, and we'll do a little bit geekier of a show talking about uncertainty on the most important issue of all, and I think you know what that is. <laughs> I'm, we're not saying it's aliens. We're not saying it's aliens, but uh, tune, in, tune in Friday. Great talking with you. Happy Fourth, everyone. And until next time, live to see it. Mm-hmm.